With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 193 of Cowboy Drive Food Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, Philip Slavin. Joining me as always. How was your Thanksgiving weekend? It was good, man. Uh, I was relaxing other than on, you know, football time. But uh, it was a nice time with the, spend some time with some family. Did our good, good job of staying distance from each other. Um, then we decided that we would give uh, potty training a try for uh, Pippa because uh, she's almost two. After about two and a half days of that, we went, all right, well, she's not ready. And uh, our washing machine is about to die because we've had to wash every pair of pants and the little underwears we bought her um, like three times each. So let's just table this for now and come back to it later, which was, you know, trying to watch college football and trying to work on things and potty training a two-year-old, almost two-year-old, almost two-year-old, and a four-month-old who's in her sleep progression period. It's just... it was a good weekend, but it was a long weekend. <laughs> I get that. Uh, as I mentioned on the last episode, uh, my wife and I took our son up to Kansas City to go see him, see my family, my mom and dad, my, my little sister. I said little, she's a freshman, but she'll always be my little sister. Anyways, um, it was a good weekend to go and see them and spend some time with them, get out of the house, get out of the apartment for, for a little while, get away from Stillwater for a little bit. And it was really nice because... All my folks wanted to do and my sister wanted to do was uh, hold the baby, feed the baby, be around the baby, do everything with the baby. It gave my wife and I a nice break um, for the mo- until uh, until the night. Then they were like, yeah, that shit's on you at three in the morning. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it was a very nice break. It was good to see my family, good to hang out with some some high school, see some high school friends who want to see the baby too. It, it, was, it was a really, really good weekend for sure. There is nothing quite as nice once you have kids as the grandparents and grandparent time because they want those kids like they want yes. them they would like give give us give us the children give us the children give them to us okay give them this give us the children uh and go away and that's fine that's that's what everybody that everybody wants the same thing you we want you to take the children and us to go away you want to take the children and for us to go away and the children are like yeah as they get older it just gets more like yeah it's so funny okay my dad my dad it's so funny because for years and years you know we've had family friends and other family members that have babies and stuff my dad is the baby whisperer it is so funny that kid could be my ej was screaming and fussing whatever he handed my dad silent just knocked out within five minutes it is nuts (laughs) man it's all about like is your father a very calm person, just like a very calming presence? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why. 
it's all about body. I've I've learned like my wife reminds me like if you I'm like why is she mad? Like you're tense. I'm like I'm watching football. Okay, like don't <laughs> give me the baby while I'm trying to watch OSU blow a 19 point lead in the fourth quarter. Okay, that's not gonna that's not good for anyone, especially not a four month old. Yeah, um, yeah. My dad and I were not holding the baby during the fourth quarter of that Oklahoma State game. That's for sure. Regardless, Oklahoma State beat Texas Tech 50 to 44. We had an old school Big 12 shootout, high scoring game. It, it was a little refreshing. Uh, I was tired of the 17 to 13 and 21 to 24 games. Um, oh, shut up! Don't give me that look. You said it three weeks ago. You said you missed the high. We talked about games. this. We no, 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 no. We talked about this like. The, these weird low-storing Big Ten games, like what I wouldn't give for an old-school Big 12. The problem I had with this one was it wasn't just an old-school Big 12 game. To quote Bill Hader, this game had everything. It, Safety, <laughs> onside kicks returned for touchdowns, pick sixes, fumbles, turnovers, suspect calls. You name it, this game, running back scores for 70 yards. Like this game had it all. Literally I, had it all i made that same joke to my family in the middle of the fourth quarter i'm i'm so glad we're on the same wavelength in that regard oh yeah yeah so i that that was the joke i was just like bill Hader, ironically from oklahoma so it even yes it works out yeah so here here's my first thought here and i'll expand on it here in a second but the bottom line is oklahoma state won the game let's start there Mm -hmm. at some point People at Oklahoma State, quote unquote, win ugly all season, you know, for the most part, like outside of the Kansas game, we're And then I still think even if you, even if it was a close game, you beat Iowa State. I'm not going to call that necessarily an ugly win because that's a good football team, number nine in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, you won ugly against, won ugly against Tulsa, against West Virginia, against, you know, whoever, right? But at the end of the day, they won those games. It doesn't matter how you get there. When the clock hits all zeros and you are leading, you win the game. And that's all that matters for the most part. Now, me saying that, that that winning at all costs, that doesn't excuse the deficiencies and the reason why that game was close. But at the end of the day, just look at the fact that Oakland State won that game. Take that and roll with it. Don't dwell on, well, they could have done this. They won the game. Just start there. Before, before you try and ha- add any caveats, Oklahoma State won the ball game. And that's not yep. necessarily a game that Oklahoma State wins in the past when you have multiple turnovers, you have dumb penalties, you start giving up explosive play after explosive play, and Oklahoma State still found a way to win the ball game. Take that and run, man. I, I'll, especially, I mean, God, getting the break speed off you the week before and still finding a way to win a shootout game the week after, go, go for it, man. Especially for a team whose offense hasn't, you know, been great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got outgained by 100 yards. Texas Tech outgained Oklahoma State by 100 yards on Saturday. That's yeah. crazy. And I think um, that, and that is slightly misleading because Oklahoma State got two of their touchdowns on the onside kick. What the hell were you doing, Texas Tech? Thank you. And also, also, what magic voodoo does Jason Taylor have to get the oops, I found a touchdown against Kansas State, and then the look what I found touchdown against Tech. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. And then the next possession, know. Trey Sterling called his shot and got the pick six. Yeah, you do that. You do it. 
that's the only thing about the game that really was frustrating was like you got to 850 left in the game you're up 19 and you're just like okay just put it away and go home mm-hmm. and then you let texas tech get back yeah, within six yeah. how many is it three now have we had have we had three games where the opponent went for an onside kick and failed to get it and so oklahoma state was able to to cling to victory i think is it the so. third time I would like to know the record for that in a season for a team because that's so – I feel like we're going to have one more and it's not going to go OSU's way because that is – that's just, you know, as to to quote Thanos, all all things, you know, all things balanced. Yeah. Like like Uh, Baylor close games between last year and this year. All things, you know, perfect. Uh, Perfectly balanced. That's what we're talking about here. But Um, let's let's not dwell, I said – you know, we can talk about caveats to the game all we want. I was going to say one, and a big reason why, game ball to Desmond freaking Jackson. 35 mm-hmm. carries, 235 yards, three touchdowns. As the third string back, who's gotten 18 total carries to this point in the season, with Chuba Hubbard out, LD Brown out. Chuba Hubbard didn't even dress. LD did, warmed up, but didn't play at all. So it was up to your RB3 and your RB4 and true freshman Dominic Richardson who only had two carries because he fumbled on his second. But to Which, can we can we stop with the like he fumbled, you're done for the day. Like I get it. But also like he's a true freshman. Yeah. Like it's gonna happen. Right. And I mean it's LD, okay. who is a senior, had his has had his fumble issues. Juba has had his fumble issues for his entire career. Yeah, um, that like, that has been the one bugaboo for Chuba Hubbard for his entire time at Oklahoma State. Let's just be honest. But you know, at the end of the day, you get you get your third string back who has barely gotten any time. He didn't play at all last season. I think it was due to injury, and then he played sparingly. The, the only significant time he really got was in the Kansas game on that final drive, and that was it. And to come in and go 235 i think i think i saw somewhere it was the highest yardage for a running back in a power for a power five team this season and it was your third string like you know it's not the dude that everyone thought it was going to be this season and you're going to have desmond jackson next year and even though the offense looks bleak the running back room does not look like it's world beaters but when you have a guy like that that shows that in a game it makes you feel a little bit better marginally about the running back situation. Make sure you have a reliable dude, a veteran guy that you can count. I want to see a bigger sample, but it at least shows, you know, a game like that, you know, even in a one game sample, it's impressive, no matter how, you know, how you try and spin. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, I think this team is, I think they're going to have to rely on him the rest of the year. You've got two regular season games and a, and a, a bowl game, all things assuming. Um, we don't know how healthy Chupa is. We don't know if he'll be healthy enough to play this year. We don't know if he'll come back this year. And I don't, I'm not saying like I know anything. Like it wouldn't shock me if he was like, look, I'm banged up. I'm going to get ready for the draft. Um, I'm going to do like Tevin Jenkins. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and opt out and be done with it. Honestly, it's fine. If he does that, dude, you have done you, – you're good. Like we're good. You've done enough. We are mm-hmm. proud of you. Thank you for coming back, period. Um or if he's just too beat up to play it, then, and honestly, like, even if LD, we saw enough, I think, from Desmond Jackson on Saturday, and I know it's a small sample, small game sample size, but 
if LD Brown isn't a hundred percent, let's say he's coming back to play, but he's 80 or 90%, then you, if you want to run him fine, but give Dennis and Jackson the carries and let LD Brown just kind of back him up for a game until he's ready to take the starting role back. Like here's my big thing. And it's, it's not shocking. Maybe I played too much fantasy football to think about it this way. And and it's very not Gundy, but if you had Chuba and LD Brown and Desmond Jackson, who apparently is, half decent running back i would say he's pretty good why why were we not using them all more like why are we not using Desmond jackson more like it's not like you you get another red shirt season out of him right and and well, it's not he, like not playing him was gonna like oh well he could stick around he's got two more years if he wants the second one he's got one more year for sure like play all three of them get all three of them out there like just just i just play them play your guys play guys if you have guys that are this good and this is a junior college transfer guy just play them okay i know i want chuba to get the carries but do it like use all your weapons and if he's this good he is a weapon you should be using him more yeah and you know i kevin jenkins was live tweeting the whole game and i saw multiple tweets from players that were like yeah this isn't a shock like we've known this about how good desmond jackson is it just needed to, it was just his time and it needed to happen. And I love the confidence of, De- of Desmond Jackson. And the post game, he said his goal was 180 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. And then he goes out with 235 and three. <laughs> and he could have had four and he cost a lot of people a lot of money. That's a lot of, that's beside the point uh, for kneeling on the four yard line. He, he did the right thing. He did. He, he did, did the right thing. He did. I don't it, want to hear it was from just, anybody. Uh, what he is did it? the right thing. No, I I did. I'm making. I don't. I don't gamble. I'm poor. Um, <laughs> I'm poor. Help me. <laughs> but you know, it was significant to some. I'll put it that way. But, oh, no, no, no. Look, we do picks on my show on Thursdays. Like him not running that in, uh, screwed over one of our guys because he picked Oklahoma State to cover, and had he run that in. They would have. They didn't. So, yeah, that matters. From a football standpoint, he made the right decision. That was the right decision. Yeah. It was. You don't and give them also, the ball back. Yeah. No, yeah, don't give them the ball back. With the way the defense was playing at that point, with the way the secondary was getting torched now, I think some of that, I believe Mike Gundy said post-game, that Jared Bernard Converse and Christian Holmes and Rodarius Williams were all playing banged up. Rodarius wasn't in the game at that point. Christian Holmes was playing hurt, and so was Bernard Converse. So, I'm sure that played some kind of factor. But, uh, yeah. At that, at that point, you don't stick to offense. We'll get to defense. Okay. Stick to offense. Stick to offense. Man, Tylen Wallace, grown ass man. Which we already the, knew. My, my goodness, yes. Um, man, it, where do you have him? Uh, we talk, I tweeted, I texted you about this a little bit. Where do you have him among the, including himself, the four best wide receivers of the Gundy area? I have it as Blackman, Wallace, Dez, and James Washington, one through four. Might be a hot take to have Wallace ahead of Dez, but I hate. So here's the problem with ranking them: is it's almost like having to be like, all right, which kid's your favorite? Yeah. Uh, all I love all of my children equally because they are all my children. Um, would I now? If you ask me to say, who are your top four? wide receivers in Big 12 in Oklahoma State history. Yes, he's in the top four. Like, he's in the top four. Um, I think he's been that good. I, I would have Blackman, Entez, 
and him. And man, I'm gonna be honest. Like I love James Washington. I I have a hard time deciding between Rashawn Woods and and uh, yeah. and Hartley Dykes. And I, the only reason Hartley Dykes is like, look, I didn't I didn't watch Hartley Dykes play live, but I understand his statistics. I understand what he did. I understand how good he was. I lean Rashawn Woods because I watched Rashawn Woods play live. Like I watched him play. So He's I still put him open. in the fourth. He's still yeah. Open. Um, but it's hard to acknowledge like how good and how big Harley Dykes was. Like it, it's how how crazy is it if you're having to, if people are gonna be like I can't believe you don't have James Washington. You're talking about like think about the look think, let's list this list. Justin Blackman, who I think is is number one. Period. Sorry, it, it's, day. It's he's one of the best one, college then, wide receivers to ever play the game. Period. I know what happened in NFL. That doesn't change what happened in college. Doesn't. End of story. And understand so, this, like it's Justin Blackman, then there is a gap. It's not like there's a close second. Mm, I, I think part of the problem for Dez was because of what happened in 2009, so he didn't really get to play. So we just don't think of him. I think he is really, really good. Anyways, let's run through this. Um, but you can say the same argument for Rashawn Woods. Like he was dominant. And, oh, did nothing in, in in the pros. So you get let's just just run through the Blackman, Dez, Tylen, James Washington, Rashawn Woods, and Hartley Dykes. That's six guys. You if you do a top five, someone's get left out, and people are gonna be mad at you for leaving. How could you pick? Like, don't don't just stop, just stop. Like, just acknowledge like those six guys are all studs. You can put them in whatever order you want to put them in based off preference. But they're all studs and Wallace is a stud. Yeah. Like I and think about this <laughs> we just named six guys. Four of those all came while Gundy was the head coach. Yeah. And one of those came while Gundy was the offense coordinator. So there's that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I also think that Spencer Sanders deserves a little uh, deserves some credit for this game. Uh, you know, he made the one stupid play, but we just come to expect that at this point that he's going to try and make something out of nothing and try to play there. And there was the interception, but he threw two of the best balls that I've seen in his career in this game. The first ball down the sideline where Wallace made the acrobatic catch, and then the ball that was an absolute dime into the back of the end zone for the touchdown. I mean, I, you know, the Spencer Sanders experience is a wild one, but we saw a lot of the highs in this game. Um, you know, he wasn't perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to say that he, you know, played incredibly well, but I do think he deserves some credit for making some plays in this game and playing well overall. I, I think he did. I think he played well. Um, I think more credit goes to the offensive line. I thought they played really well. Oh, my God. I was going to get to that next. Yes. Like, my if, if I told you before this game – that on Monday, Pro Football Focus would rank Oklahoma State's offensive line as the best of the week. How drunk would you think I was? Um, how much more whiskey do you have in that glass? <laughs> it was a, it was a short pour. It was a short <laughs> pour. I'm I'm doing a slow sip tonight. It's a, it's a Tuesday. I'm not you know I don't have a problem. I, um, I think the big thing is this. That starting five got to practice as the starting five all week. 
I really would be curious to know how many weeks this season, during the season, the starting five was able to practice together. I think they had a nice stretch before everybody started getting beat up and injured again. Um, and then they were not, maybe not as bad as we think they were, but not great. I thought they played exceptionally well on Saturday. Yeah, I think, I think any concern about, and I've had some about Charlie Dickey is unwarranted and unnecessary. And we need to be a better aware of the state of just the state of things based off COVID. I still have concerns about recruiting, but whatever, we can get to that in the off season. Um, although we didn't get into Caleb Etienne. But I thought you had, after everyone they've lost this season, think about that for a second. Three before the season started, two in the season opener. Um, and now you lost another one at one point, and now you've lost your best one in Tevin Jenkins for the rest of the year. I think that's like seven. I think you've lost seven offensive linemen from the start of the offseason until now. Who loses seven offensive linemen and still puts out a good offensive line performance? Again, this is Texas Tech. They're not very good. I think their defense is playing better, but they're not very good. But still, credit where credit is due, the offensive line performed very, very well on Saturday and allowed Spencer Sanders the opportunity to play well. And he did. He, he used that opportunity and, and made the most out of it. More importantly, De- Desmond Jackson used that opportunity and made the absolute most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a wild game. It was a weird game. Uh, the defense oh, still, a weird game. Yeah, it, it was a weird game. Um, I think my only gripe with the defense is I think they went into prevent a little too early. And especially with banged up corners, I don't think that that was the right – I don't think that was the right move. But early on in this game, I'll have a couple of a couple of big runs by um, by the Texas Tech running back. I can't remember his name, but uh, I thought overall they played well. They the the run defense is a little bit of a concern right now, but they were opportunistic enough to still get off the field on third down more often than not. And you have the pick six from Trey Sterling. I thought Colby Harville Peel played fantastic in this game. The linebackers were really good. Uh, Trey Swartz still made an impact, and then you had three tackles. You know, you're still seeing the usual suspects that are in there making plays down after down after down. Yeah, so Texas Tech was, th- was four of 16 on third down, but they were four or five on fourth down, which isn't great. So really you could say that was eight of 21, which isn't bad. No. Um, let's say this, though, on the run defense. It's less to do with it was bad and more to do with there were just a couple of massive plays. Yes. You gave up two because and one of them on a fourth down. I think teams have figured a few things out about Jim Knowles' defense and and what his tendencies, and he's going to have to be aware of them and work on them. Um. What was I listening to? And I, I've, I've talked with Adam Lund about this a little bit because I really want to try and see if we can figure it out. A really, really good football coach or someone who's really good at anything um, should be really good at self-evaluation and figuring out where you can be exploited. Um, 
I think Lincoln Riley does this really, really well, especially on offense. Like they, they look at where they can be exploited and where they can exploit the other team and they adjust to it. A good coach should be able to know where can someone exploit me? Where are my holes? What are my tendencies? What are things that people can figure out about me and use to their advantage, right? Um, I think teams have figured some things about Janelle's and about what he likes to do when he likes to bring the house um, because we've now, and we could talk about how oh, someone messed up in their coverage, and that, but we've seen Oklahoma State, or Brees Hall did it, get gashed for massive run plays this season. I think teams have kind of figured some things out. I'm less worried about getting gashed on big plays. Oklahoma didn't throw the ball downfield a ton, but that's because Oklahoma secondary, when it's healthy, is really good. They play sound football. But there are opportunities to get your running back to break, break or miss one tackle and make it take it to the house. And Oklahoma State is going to have to figure out how to adjust to that. That is a big problem. Can you get past it? Yes, obviously. They beat Iowa State. They beat Texas Tech. Um, I think that's, that's the big play that Oklahoma State has had to worry about is on the run game. You, you would be a little bit worried against TCU. I would be less worried against Baylor. But I wasn't really worried about Sir Roderick Thompson, Texas Tech, and, and we saw what he did. So it's, it's less to do with, like, the, I think the defense is tired. I think they've been on the field too much. I think that the offense goes three and out too quickly too often, and it hurts the defense. I think we saw that with the Bedlam game. Like, the defense, after going down 21 nothing, defense bowed up and played great in Bedlam. And then the offense did them no favors, and they finally got worn out. This defense is good, but if the offense doesn't do their part, this is what you get. You're going to get tired, and they're banged up, and it's been a weird long season, and and things are going to happen at the end of games, and that's fine, but they have got to figure out how to cut down on these massive touchdown runs. They were just blah, but Okay, let's, let's look at this. So a 59-yarder by Sir Roderick Thompson was Texas Tech's first touchdown. You had a... 24-yard run. Oh, and is he a 24-yard run for a touchdown? Uh, you have no. Oh, that was a 40-yard pass. It's not good. Um, where's the yes? The Xavier White 70-yard touchdown run. And remember those two huge touchdown runs that came on fourth downs. They looked very similar. Yeah, like, it was that counterplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They got to figure out how to deal with that. They yeah. got to. Yeah, and yeah, part of it too is just Oklahoma State trying to bring pressure because I think both of those were on fourth and one or fourth and inches, like right up on the sticks. So trying to and, you know trying to get a push and try and get people in the backfield. It's not like they could play back and play you know more of a normal defensive set on like a fourth and seven or something like that. Um, they know it. Oklahoma and uh, Tech Tech was able to run right through, but Oklahoma State is going to need to adjust very quickly. I like like we've talked about. This defense is going to give up big plays because they are a very aggressive defense. Chip Knowles calls a very aggressive defense and a very aggressive game. So those types of explosive plays are going to happen. It's just a matter of limiting them to one to two a game and making them not hurt you. Like give up a forty yard pass, but it's not if it's not for a touchdown, it's fine. Give up a forty, you know, a thirty five yard run here and there. Just don't make it hurt you for points on the scoreboard. And it's finding ways to you know to balance that that's going to matter. And you know, TCU is not the best team offensively, but they but you know they have enough talent there 
you know, with Duggan, Zach Evans, and some other guys, that they can still find a way to gash you. Um, but I'm not necessarily worried about that a ton this week. But they still have to find ways to limit those plays to just chunk plays and not chunk touchdowns. I think the other thing that hurt OSU is OSU's defense has been an excellent tackling team all season. Yes. They were not on on Saturday. Yeah. They were not a good tackling team on Saturday. And it's very uncharacteristic of Oklahoma State so far this season. Um, you're going to have games like that. You know, I think the so the West Virginia game, you know, they had a great game against Tulsa. They were okay against West Virginia. And then they bounced back against Iowa State and tackled great. And they've been a good tackling team. They just tackled, could not tackle against Texas Tech. And I think that's going to happen. I think there's just you're going to, that's going to happen. I my guess is after their tackling performance, they will have a much better one against TCU. So I'm not I'm not super worried about about. I think the defense will be fine. I think they'll have a good performance. I think this is going to be a really back to our low scoring. Yep. And we'll get into this with TCU. And I I think enjoy your Big Twelve game. We're going to go back to Big Ten football this coming week. Well, let's move into the TCU game and preview it really quickly. We still got some basketball to talk about, so we don't want to take up too much of y'all's time. But, it, you know, thank you to everyone who listens to this. We got some really good feedback on the last episode. Um, you know, as tough as it was to talk about some of the things we did, uh, we appreciate those of you that, that hung around and listened and told us that we did a great job. It's a little bit of vindication for us, that's for sure. Can, um, I, can I say one thing about our Bedlam recap? Yes. So, go for it. The further I have time I've had to get away from that game, the more I'm not going to say that I changed my mind about the things that I said, but I do think I'm being a little too hard on the state of the program. This team is six and two. If you add in the non-conference games that they would have played that have been canceled, Oregon state at home. And I forget the FCS team. I think it's an it was FCS team. It Western Illinois, I think. It's, it doesn't matter. It was an FCS team. That's all that matters. It's an FCS team not named North Dakota State. Those are two wins. They're just, they are. They're just, I like Oregon State. I think they're in the right direction with, with, with Smith. Um, but you win that game. Add those two wins to where you are now and you're eight and two with two games to go in the regular season. You are looking at a potential 10 win regular season. I know you want a big 12 title game. I do too. Like, they should probably have gotten there this year. This, you could get a nine-win season out of a year where you play 11 games. Strap that out to 13 you would normally play. That's an 11-win year. Like, I, it's disappointing because it feels like you were this, you were so close. Don't blow the game against Texas. And you're sitting here with a loss to Bed- in Bedlam, but it doesn't matter. You get to play Iowa State again. Like, and we can we can talk about that. I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still more annoyed by the loss to Texas than I am the blowout to Bedlam. Yeah, exactly. Um, because it was always like, just, just you can lose Bedlam, just don't lose another one, and you're going to get there. Um, and you wouldn't have had to face Oklahoma, which would have been awesome. But you still have a chance to win nine games in a season as weird, terrible, and whatever as this one. This is still a good season for Oklahoma State. I know it's because it's going to be nine wins. We're like just a nine-win season. Think about those numbers in a normal year. That would be an eleven-win season. OSU's done that fair. twice, twice in school history: twenty ten and twenty eleven, twice. 
and you have the potential. You've won 10 games in the regular season three times ever. This is the potential to be essentially that. If you look at the non-conference games you lost, you could be looking at what would have been a 10-win regular season. You've done it in 2010, 2011, and 2015. And that 2015 10-win team, it was a 10-win team. It wasn't really a 10-win team, but it was a 10-win team. Like, there's an argument to be made, as disappointing as it is, that this is still one of the better Mike Gundy teams. Yeah. It's just weird and frustrating because we wanted it to be more like we have in the past. But it's still a good year. And you still go beat TCU and Baylor and get to 8-2 and two and go to the probably Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando and face an ACC team, probably North Carolina. Who doesn't want to go beat Mac Brown in a bowl game in Orlando? Like, I would be fine with that. Like, that's a good year. I know it's not what we wanted, and it taints it a little bit, but <laughs> I would still take this over a lot of what a lot of other teams are dealing with. Penn State, Michigan, Kansas every year, TCU in their state of affairs. Like, it's not where we would like it to be. It's still a whole hell of a lot better than a lot of other people have. Yeah, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, Oklahoma State has a pretty good life as a college football program over the last decade or so. Um, you know, we can complain and be upset with losses, and I think some of it is warranted, some of it is valid. But, you know, at least we're on Michigan. At least we're not Penn State. You know, some of these programs that have cachet and consider continue to underachieve. Like, you're not I, Nebraska. I, Nebraska. Not, which could be – like, you're not Texas. I understand we lost to Texas. You're not Texas. You're not dealing with what they're dealing with right now. Yeah. You're not miserable about a potential three-loss season. Bye, like, Tom, bye uh, Tom Herman. Bye. I don't know. I don't know. Bye. I don't know. One can hope. He's an asshole. Anyways. Yeah, but uh, we beat him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about this TCU game here. Uh, it's down in Fort Worth. Oklahoma State's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Like I said, I think this is going to be an ugly, disgusting defensive struggle or yep. offensive ineptitude. I don't know which one it'll be yet. But how do you feel about this game early? What do you think are some of your keys to victory for this one? Um, throw the ball downfield. TCU's secondary, and shout out to Melissa Trevewasser, who's over there at Frogs of War. Short and a little quick look at the Cowboys. Um, and I, I, have, I have done my best to pay attention to TCU. To quote her, quote, down to walk-ons. Oh, I know that we are through Thanksgiving, but Tylen Wallace is going to feast Saturday against TCU. Down to walk-ons in the two deep in the secondary. The Frogs just don't have the numbers to stop Wallace. They can simply hope to contain him, or more likely let Wallace get his – and shut down everything else. You need to just line up your wide receivers. None of this two-receiver shit. Get three guys there. Run Tylen. Run Braden Johnson. Run everybody. Get them downfield. And let Spencer Sanders work. Bert, just, just put the pressure on a secondary that has walk-ons in the two-deep. They're beat up. They're injured. Go after it. Go after that TCU secondary. Attack them. Attack them early. Attack them. And I think Oklahoma State comes away with win. I trust the defense to bounce back. 
You're going to give up some big plays. We've talked about this ever since Jim Dole showed up. It's kind of a feast or famine thing. You're getting a whole lot more uh, good than bad. You give up a lot of big plays against Texas Tech. Your tackling will rebound. They will play better. Jim Knowles will adjust some. You're going to give up a big play or two. That's fine. You can score, uh, TCU score a couple touchdowns. TCU, that offense for TCU, it's yeah. not just like too many cooks in the kitchen. It is, it, it, it is the inmates running the asylum. There are three guys in running that offense. Jerry Kill, Doug Meacham, and Sonny Cumbie. You know that saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback? They have three guys running the offense. No one's running that offense. It's a joke. It's bad. It's ugly. Things are not good at TCU. Play solid defense. Tackle like you should. It's okay if you get burned for a big run. It's okay. But attack their secondary. TCU is a typically a good defense, right? We always think of TCU as a really good defense. It's a really good defense. We gotta, they're not a TCU defense. They're too beat up. They get gashed on the ground. Okay, they're allowing over 160 yards per game on the ground. Attack them and run. Attack them downfield and run down their throat. You'll win this game. Yeah, my, my first key is ride the hot hand. I think Desmond Jackson is kind of that dude right now. Now, I do, mm-hmm. do I want Open City to run him 35 or 36 times again? No. But do you give do him – He's fresh. He's fresh. He hasn't played all season. He's got the legs. The ball, running the ball that many times is inefficient. I don't care. Throw the ball. But – uh, yeah, what, I said. yeah, running the ball, running the ball that often is inefficient. Maybe I'm just spoiled by watching the best quarterback in the world every Sunday, but uh, that's missing. Anyways, I would, you know, he proved what he can do, and he proved how talented he is, albeit against Texas Tech. But still, you don't run for 235 yards by accident, you know. And do I expect another 235 yard performance? No. But you give him 20 carries, I bet, he, I bet you he can get you a buck 20 or a buck 30 and two touchdowns. And if that's what it takes to suck the defense in to then have more Tylen Wallace in one-on-one coverage, you're going to win that matchup 10 times out of 10. I'm sorry. Like, Tylen Wallace is the best receiver in the country, and he's going to continue to prove it, especially against man coverage. You know, he's too physical to catch point. He's too aggressive downfield. He, you know, he's just a stud in any sort, in, even when you try and bracket him. The Oklahoma State and Casey Dunn have found ways to still get him the ball on screenplays and little short, you know, RPOs, and get it, just getting the ball in his hands, getting the ball in your playmakers' hands is what's going to matter the most right now. And Spencer Sanders, I don't expect him to play the state for football because he just won't do it. But can he limit the turnovers to one? And he did that against Texas Tech, and he played pretty well. I, I can handle a stupid interception. Just go as long as he doesn't fumble the ball and gets the ball to Tylen Wallace, we're going to be in good shape. Like I agree with you. I think defensively, Oklahoma State's going to bounce back. It's just that that's kind of my key. It's just don't let don't dwell on giving up forty four to the tech to Texas Tech. Bounce back. You know how good you are. I know how confident that team is and how confident guys on that defense are. They're not going to let that affect them, and they're going to come back and they're going to shut TCU down. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's they're going to pitch a shutout. But no. 14, 14, 17 points, you win that game with the amount of dudes on the Oklahoma State offense. You give up 14 to 17, Oklahoma State wins this game by at least a touchdown or more. Yeah. 
TCU's Oklahoma State has developed a habit since 2013, 2015, really. They lose a game they shouldn't every year, right? And I and I'm I've made the argument. You could say that's the Texas game because they they were better than Texas, but they just turned the ball over so many times it didn't matter. Negated that fact. Um, so you could say that game against Texas is the game they should have lost, but that's not. That, that, that doesn't fit. That, that, I don't think that the description qualifies. of yeah, game qualify. you shouldn't lose because you, you can lose to Texas. You can lose. You're going to lose to Oklahoma. Like those games, fine. I mean the 2017 game at home against Kansas State. You shouldn't have lost. I mean the 2013 game. Against, 2018 the, against Texas Tech. 2018 against Kansas State. I could continue. Well, uh, 2018 take 2018. That's not a good team. That's still not a bad. Still, you should not have. You shouldn't have gotten out coached by Cliff Kingsbury. 2013. You open conference play with a loss well, of the West Virginia team that was bad. You lost in twenty was it twenty seventeen where you lost in conference play on the road to open these at Baylor when it was the whatever former 20, Wake Forest head coach. Twenty sixteen, yeah, yeah. Twenty sixteen, thank you. Twenty sixteen. Twenty seventeen you opened State. conference play against TCU, but they actually did Twenty sixteen was Central Michigan too, wasn't oh, it? Like, so we didn't lose that game. I know. I, the point is. I wish you guys a game. You look at the schedule and go, W, that they lose every year. You can argue Texas Tech the last two years in a row, but I don't, whatever. 2018 was a bad team. I don't want to tell, We're not talking about that. The point is, you look at this last end of the schedule. We're on the road at TCU, on the road at Baylor. Both of these games, we would circle and go, these are the games that you shouldn't lose that they might. Now, I lean towards Baylor in this situation because I think Baylor has been – Baylor is a team that's had opportunities to win and blown it, and they got the win last week. They came back, beat Kansas State. They blew a lead against Texas Tech. They blew a lead against Iowa State. Like, Baylor is – Baylor makes more sense as far as if I look at these two games and say Oklahoma State is going to lose a game they shouldn't. It makes more sense to lose to Baylor because I think Baylor is better than it's far better than their record. They've just had the issue of a brand new coach. I just we've done this against TCU too in 2017. Uh, I think they should win this game. I again I agree. Big Ten slug out ugly seven to six point win on the road, low scoring, but I think they should beat TCU. I do. I think TCU is a mess. I think they're an offensive mess. I think the the running back they picked up this offseason, who I can't remember his name, but he's like the top-ranked running back. I think he's really good. Zach Evans. I think he's, Zach Evans is going to get some yards on Oklahoma State. He's going to get a big run or two. He just is. He's talented. Uh, but his offensive line for TCU is beat up. The offensive play calling is who knows what's going on. We already talked about the secondary. Oklahoma State should win this game. If they come in with a good game plan and execute, they're going to win this game. It may not be pretty because we haven't had a pretty game other than Kansas, but they should win this game. Yeah, I, that's that's where I'm going. Is that your just general prediction, or are you going to offer a score, uniform, anything like that? Or oh, I hate score predictions. I'm so bad at them. Um, it doesn't matter about being bad. It's just uh, just more just further. I'll go to this. When Oklahoma State was a 10.5-point favorite over Texas Tech last week, I laughed. Because Oklahoma State this season and the way they play, Oklahoma State should not be a double-digit point, a double-digit favorite over anybody. Period. Sorry. <laughs> You'd be like, well, that's not – they beat Iowa State by three, they beat Kansas State by two, they beat 
other than Kansas, but that's Kansas. They beat West Virginia by 14. That's good. Um, but I don't think Oklahoma State should be a, a double-digit favorite over anybody in the Big 12 the rest of the way, even TCU and Baylor. I think, I think Oklahoma State wins this. This feels like a – Oh, 27-21 kind of game. Yeah, right now. Honestly. Yeah, so right now I'm thinking 27-17. I, mean, I think this is a, a 10-point win, maybe a, little, maybe a little closer than the score indicates. But I believe in Oklahoma State's defense enough to be opportunistic, force, maybe force a turnover or two, but – you know, I I think we're going to see the offense sputter for I bet a, a solid ten minutes of this game, um, at least a quarter, at, at least, least a, a at least ten ten at least maybe the second quarter probably is what we're going to see. But so, the defense is going to be able to keep them enough in the game, and then if, they, if the offense is making enough adjustments, they're going to be able to pull away late. But yeah, I'm, right now I'm thinking twenty-seven seventeen, and that feels that feels about right for what you know where I think this. I think we're going to say this is a good team. I don't want to downplay that, but the offensive deficiencies do concern me. Um, yeah, you know, you have to wonder if the offensive if the offensive line can put together back to back performances like they did against tech, uh, that at least gives me a little bit of hope that that prediction is going to be correct. That just remains to be seen based on we don't know what injuries happen during that game, if they still have the same continuity and what kind of Spencer Sanders we're going to get. We just don't know. So I don't put a lot of stock in ESPN's FPI rankings because I don't think they're very good. But ESPN's FBI rankings have TCU as a 54% chance to win this game. Uh, some overall stats. Oklahoma State averages 28.9 points a game on offense. TCU averages 28.4. Oklahoma State's allowing 24 points a game on defense. TCU's allowing 26.3. And you can say, well, Texas Tech, they gave up. They also gave up 41 points to Oklahoma and 41 points to Texas. I will... OSU's defense has given up some points in the last four games. Like, really, the Kansas State's getting the, the outlier here. I, that's fine. I, I think double digits is, is too much to, to expect, but I think they win. Like, they should win. They should win this game. I'm sorry. They should win this game, period. So unless you come out in the first half and play like you did against Kansas State because you're so overly conservative and you get to fight back again, I just – you. Come out and attack. Come out and attack. Come out and attack. Pound the ball and throw downfield. Like, that's what I want them to do. I want them to come out offensively aggressive. And I think if they do, they'll get up a lead and then they'll go on to a win. And I may not like a score prediction, but what about a uniform prediction? What do you got? Mm, on the road. Hmm. At TCU. 11 a.m. game. I can't remember what all we've done so far this season. I don't remember what they've worn every week. Um, so white jersey on the road, of course. Uh, let's go white, white. Do we white, white, black or white, white, gray? Did they do white, white, gray already this season? I don't believe so. Okay. Let's go white, white, gray. Uh, white helmet uh, with stripe and brand. Okay. I'm going white, white, black. 
And I think a little homage to the basketball team and what's going on this year. I want. I think they bring the curse of Cowboys helmet back. Oh, please do. That's my favorite helmet of the last like three years, at least. And that I think that's what I want to see. Okay, so to to specifically offer white, white, black. And when I say white, white, black, and I say white helmet with the brand, I want the black brand with the orange outline. Ooh, that's on the a good white one. helmet. That's a good with one with the stripe. Yes. That helmet. Am I allowed to use the word bitchin'? Is that yes. an okay word to use? Is it too yes. old school? Because I'm going to use the word bitchin' because that's a it, bitchin' helmet. It is a bitchin' helmet. I won't lie about that. No, that, that was like one of the first like alternate helmets that we saw for OSU. Like, at least in kind of the more modern era, I guess. Yeah, that's what I want. I want, right. I want white, 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 gray with the uh, the black, orange outline. Yes. Good brand. It's a good look. We were at the Crystal Cowboys again. I might faint. But have we seen Phantom Pete this season? Yes, I think we saw him once. I can't remember. Might have been the Texas game. My memory is not. No, I'm. It's not so me right this year at all. I all. I I can't remember things. Let's chalk it up to baby to like sleep deprivation. Oh, it is sleep deprivation. It's absolutely sleep deprivation. So yeah, we we have an excuse, folks. At least. we got some basketball to talk about on the other side of this break. Let's have a little, let's have a little fun talking about Cade Cunningham, the Oklahoma State basketball team. We'll be right back. All right, Philip. It is basketball season. The Cade Cunningham era has started at Oklahoma State. We're recording this on Tuesday night after the Oklahoma State Cat game. Oklahoma State is three and zero after wins pre last week, Wednesday and Saturday against UT Arlington and Texas Southern. What are your thoughts uh, through three games? I know it's a little bit of a small sample for a basketball season, but I think three games gives us enough data to make at least, at least kind of formulate some decent takes about what we think this team is at this point. Well, I mean, we thought we knew what the team was last year. After about four games. And then Isaac likely got mono and it all fell apart and went to shit. <laughs> Just to bring up the recent history but this team feels a little different they look Mm -hmm. different for one you you have Cade Cunningham which they didn't have last year Uh, B I think at this point you can say they have some guys who can create offense that I mean they had guys last year I'm not going to sit here and dog Dizzy and, and Lindy and but you've got some guys this year who offensively can do some things that we haven't really seen from a depth perspective for a while. Um, what we've uh, and look, a dog Rondell in the first game. I know it's my fault. It's the first game of a true freshman's career. Leave me alone. This, um, uh, I'm calling you out. We were Rondell Walker was maybe on the court for four minutes, if that, and Philip decided to text me. Yeah, he's not ready. Let's let's give it a little bit of time. Let's Dude, not make this decision after one game. I, after I a know, couple minutes, I know. Don't leave me alone, okay? Uh, we'll get, and we'll get to Rondell Walker later, but we'll continue. He's been, but he's been good. Bryce Williams has been good. I just I think at this point you look at this team and say this three and zero feels a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you're two and zero in true road games, which I don't think is something we really pointed out enough now you are now two and zero in true road games and we can say it was ut arlington i don't care it's still a true road game to open the season you've gone on the road and beat marquette 
and I brought this up on Twitter. I couldn't remember the last time, and you and I talked about this. Somebody answered it, and it's a very good point. When was the last time Oklahoma State went on the road and won a game, a true road game, against a quality opponent? Now, it was brought to my attention, as I forgot, that they won on the road against Houston last year. That was the D. Mitchell game. Right, but there was one game amidst a bunch of really bad, like just blew out, blown out losses. Like it was such a fluky win, right? Because they got blown out by, what was it, Minnesota, and they got blown out by Wichita State, and they lost to a Georgetown team they had no business losing to. Like it was the whole, like the season fell apart because likely got mono. I just, I, I feel like OSU is a team that they have these close games against quality opponents and they go on the road and they lose, like NC State or Maryland or those games that they've had. And I just, to get this win, I think, on Tuesday is really big. And to win in the way they did, they got down big early. Like I, I didn't, we were having dinner. I turned the game on and they were down, what, like 19 to 8. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's a not great start. They went on a like, what? They went from down 19 to 7 to up 22 to 19. That was they went a 15 point run. They, and that got run ended up being like 18 to four. And that was yeah. easily the most fun stretch of Oklahoma State basketball that I've watched in the last three to four years, if maybe even not long. Like it was just both ends of the floor, just everything clicked. And it just was like, ooh, this is me, this is let me, different. Let me ask you. In a normal year, if you turned the game on, because I literally turned the game on and that was the score, it was 19 to 8. And you saw Oklahoma State down 19 to 8. Do you think that team would go on and win by double two? By, win? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Right. And they wouldn't have, would they? No. They, no. Would have made, they would have probably kept it competitive, but I don't think they'll win the game. They, they'd probably lose by 11, something like that, by the end. The game last year. That game was, I think, close. Oklahoma State led for most of the game. This was a game that OSU was down big early. They came back, took a lead. They were down at half, and then they just dominated the second half. Against, oh, they're probably a tournament team. Uh, Ken Palm, which is a, already updated. Bravo, Ken Palm. Uh, Marquette's at 35th. Oklahoma State's now at 30th after this win. Like, this is a quality game that I would not pick Oklahoma State to win and that they wouldn't most years. And for them to go on the road and get this win, Texas Southern Texas Southern's not good. Uh, UTSA's not great. But to start 3-0 here, I think is, is big for them. You know, I think what's just – I think what's different about this team is that you have a dude. Like, obviously, oh, Kay yeah. Cunningham is the number one player in the country, and he's proven it to this point. Like, he is – I think he's been as good as advertised. Even tonight with, what, 13, 15, and 6 or whatever, you know, you still see the little things he does and – the speed of the game just is so natural to him that he, you know, he had his moment. He's had his moments for sure, his freshman moments and getting ready for college basketball. But on the whole, I he's been in control. He hasn't really tried to force anything very often. He takes what the defense gives him. He defers to his teammates. And this is really the first time Oklahoma State has had a guy like that that is a playmaker. I'm, you know, and this is, I don't, this is not meant to be a knock on guys like Thomas Zagor and Mitchell Solomon, Waters, 
you know, Cam McGrath, you know, guys like that. Those are role players that Oklahoma State needed to be go-to scorers. Mm-hmm. And those are just not – they're just not those types of players. And people wanted to knock Boyton for that, but that was just the roster that he had to work with. And I think he got the most out of those guys more often than not. Absolutely. But you have this now, you have complementary pieces around a guy that can elevate those guys' talent level to, to a talent level. And you have a guy that can go and just do it himself. And that's the difference. And that's why this team looks so different. Because Cade Cunningham is the straw that serves the drink already. And I think he and Isaac Likely had a really good chemistry early on. Likely hasn't been as good, I don't think, but he's never going to, I don't think he's a, you know, he's not a 16, 18 point a game guy. He's nine to 10 and six rebounds and three assists and two steals and a block and you're going to lock down your number two guard. You know, but you said, but you see the complimentary pieces all starting to come together around an uber talented point guard. And it's just, it, you know, that it's just starting to click and it's clicking early. And that, and you add in the other freshmen that are coming in and playing big minutes early, like Matthew Alexander Moncrief, who had, you know, 15 points, what, 15 points in his first game, something like that. Ma'am. Can we just establish, let's quickly establish that when people post all cap M-A-M, that's Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Uh, and we're just going to say, ma'am. And I, and I, if, if you find that insulting for some strange, stupid, sexist reason, that's fine. But only because I want to make sure that, A, he has taken on the crown of the vicious Cam McGriff dunks. The, the, and I want us the, to be able to say, ma'am jam. Okay, I'm good with that. I'm cool with that. But ma'am, I want to establish right now when ma'am throws one down, it's a ma'am jam. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But you you get, you know, you get 11 and seven from him in his first college game. You get 21 and 10 from, Mm -hmm. from Kate Cunningham. And the funniest thing about watching that game is 21 and 10 for any, for most players is that's a really good game. He never got out of second gear for that entire game. He was just playing and I don't even think he turned it on yet and that's what's wild is I don't think he's even tapped into where he's going to be by the time conference play rolls around Keelan Boone went 10 and 12 Isaac Leck went 9 13 and 7 like it you know and that's a gutsy win on the road against a solid UTR Linton team not a great team possible tournament team but that's a weird it's that weird road game against a mid-major with obviously a minimal crowd, but just you, we've seen Oklahoma State kind of sleepwalk through those games the last couple of years and lose get, lose those games. 2017. Like the, the Charlotte game. The, the Charlotte no, game. No, it wasn't Charlotte. It was Char- it, Charleston. Was it 2016 then? Well, it was the same day. It was a Saturday game because they were playing Bedlam. Yes, it was, that, was, that was at Charlotte. That was at Charlotte. That was that awful Lindy technical or whatever that was stupid. Oh, more importantly, like the, they had a huge lead and yeah, they, just, yeah. they blew a like 15 point. Yeah, at Charlotte. Yes. In was, 2018. Yes. Where they blew a massive lead. This is like, oh, Boynton likes to schedule these kinds of games. They yes. led 37 to 19 and a half. 
let's not let that that was two years ago we have we have a I know, I don't, no, no, no. the point is the point is the, the point is the, and i think the point is this too and, the, and i want to get to this but i i mentioned the stat line that uchi arlington gave i was very afraid early on this year and i think this team is talented on multiple levels i think they're a deep enough team that you can go eight nine deep and be solid but i was afraid they were going to be too reliant on kate cunningham and he put up 20 to 22 shots a game and if the offense was remember the Jawan evans offense in 2015 where mm-hmm. it was stand around and let him do something. I was afraid it was going to be something like that. It, yeah. But I was afraid it was going to be something like that. And it hasn't been, that hasn't been the case. I think he, he sees the ball too. He sees the court too well. And he plays the point guard position in such a way that sure he can create for himself, but he creates for his teammates too. And it also, when you have a guy like that, it spaces the floor out because you have to be able to, you know, someone's going to hedge over and help a little more when you have a guy like Dave Cunningham. But they said, you get that in Moncrief. And then you go to the Texas Southern game, and Farron Flavors gets 11 points. Rondell Walker goes off for 19, which Rondell Walker, holy shit. <laughs> that dude can play. He's got some juice. Like, And I, I'm mostly just emphasizing this because you shit on him after four minutes of college Shut basketball. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I digress. He's proving his worth, too. Like, he's a high, he was a high four-star. He was, I think he was the second highest rated guy in his class. Like he's, you know, he's going to be your sixth man the rest of the way. And then you as get to be, yeah, as he should be, you know, Hey, you get him and Moncrief coming off the bench. That's there's seven. And then you got Chris Harris, neighbor Anderson, like you can go legit 90. And with Bernard Kuma, if you really need him at the end of the half, I don't think uh, Donovan Williams is the only dude that I don't think is going to play a lot this year. That's not a knock on him. He's a four year guy. He is a really, really raw athlete, a decent shooter, but I just don't think he has it. I don't think he's dynamic enough to get on the court. Someone's not going to play. Like and, so, I, and, some, I think so. and, and Kuma wouldn't if they didn't need the depth of, for being so in the post. Yeah. Like, period. But then you get tonight, Kate Cunningham goes 15 and 6. Isaac Likely, 11 and 6. Bryce Williams, you finally get to see him on the court in big minutes after he had emergency dental surgery. My God. He comes out and he goes 13 and 4. 13 and 4 with a couple of steals along to go with that. And Rondo Walker with 16. You're not rely. You're not having to rely on Kate Cunningham. You have enough guys and enough complementary pieces that you can get production from a different guy every night. And those are the best basketball teams. Where yes, you have your stall, obviously. But if you can get, you know, Isaac Lockley's going to get his his 10 to 11 points a game. But if you can get it from one other dude a night, where they're 10 to 15 points, and it doesn't have to be the same guy every night. You're no. going to win a lot of games that way, especially when they play defense the way they do. And I love solid man-to-man defense. Mr. Ibo was really the, you know, at the forefront of that movement in basketball. Eddie Sutton did it. Mike Morton has tried to do it. And I think they're a good enough defensive team where they can play man-to-man. But their length, length, man. their length. length and their ability, and like just everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere on this team. They can play a lot of zone, and they can be really good at it. I think – I've made it known on this podcast. I think zone is chicken shit for the most part because it's for them. Unless you're Syracuse, it looks really damn lazy out there sometimes. It really does. Teams just sit in it and then they just allow shot after shot after shot and go get rebounds. They're not actually trying to defend anybody. Oklahoma State played a really good, you know, it morphed from like this one three one to a two three. Like they, it almost looked like man defense the way that they played it. So they're they look athletic enough with their length, they can make it work. I don't think it's a 40-minute-a-night 
defense for this team, but they found ways where after timeouts, they went into that 2-2-1 press, into that 2-3 zone, and it gave Marquette fits all night long. They could not figure out what to do until the end of the game when Oakland Citizens giving them buckets because they didn't want to foul at the end of the game. I, I think at one point, I think they were two for 21 to start the, the second half. And I think they only made six or seven total shots in the second half. That that zone does things to teams. And, you know, unless you get a team that truly just shoots the lights out on you, which, you know, is bound to happen at some point this year, you know, that is going to be a huge piece for a team that is really talented on both ends of the floor. And I don't think Kate Cunningham gets enough credit for being as good defensively as he is. It's very easy for young, talented, offensive, you know, offensively gifted players uh, in college that are just going to be one and done. So just kind of punt defense and just whatever. I'm going to cherry pick. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to switch off to the worst player, Trey Young, and just go and just jack up, you know, shots on the offensive end and not care. It's very obvious that he has bought in and plays really, really good defense. I think he has three or four blocks. He had two tonight. Um, he's He locked up uh, – what was his name? Um, from uh, Devon Garcia. Dawson Garcia, sorry. You know, he only had four points tonight after having 19 and 16 in the previous two. And now a lot of that is due to Kate Cunningham guarding. Uh, so two, two thoughts after your thoughts. First off, it, with Cade. It's not that the, it's not just that it's not just the Cade Cunningham show. If you've noticed it all three games, he doesn't step up. I don't want to say he doesn't step up. Let me rephrase that. He doesn't take over offensively until he has to. He picks his spots. He does. He waits. Like he will let the team do its thing for a while. And if you see that OSU is struggling to score after a few minutes, and I mean like you get you get five minutes in, and OSU close game, OSU struggling to score. Cade's just like, all right. I'll do my thing now. And then he does. And you see OSU's offense start to build. And like, he's a little bit too, he's a little bit too aggressive. Aggressive is the wrong word. He's a little too loose with the ball. Like there's some, he seems, it seems like there's like offensive fouls or turnovers, just things where he's just a little bit loose with the ball and things. And that's fine. He's a true freshman in college. You're going to make mistakes. No one's perfect. Okay. Um, and if that's the worst thing he does, like you can work on that. Teams will exploit it, but you can work on that. But he he's patient. He doesn't just come in like it's my show. I've got the ball. I'm gonna I'm gonna go score. He wants to get the team going, and then when I'm pretty sure at a certain point, it's like, okay, go score, go go put put the put the ball in the basket. Stop stop sharing the ball. Go shoot. Um, you know, it's a great thing to see. It's a great thing to see someone who is. Get the team going first. All right. If if you guys point. Marquette shot eight of thirty-one in the okay. second half. Twenty-five percent shooting. Three of fifteen from three. So there's that. Yeah. It's such an interesting dichotomy when you think about the highly rated recruits in that play in Oklahoma. And I'm not trying to compare Trey Young and Kate Cunningham. They're entirely different players, entirely different skill sets. Trey was not. But Trey was not expected to be a one and done. They thought he'd be good. No one thought Trey was going to be a one and done. Yes. But either way, uber talented point guard from that played at college ball in Oklahoma. I'll, that's the only comparison I'll make between the two. 
But like I said, you watch Cunningham and he facilitates and then he picks his spots to be great. And it doesn't, and when he, you know, it has his moments, then his teammates do too. We watched that game where he, yeah, he had 48 points or whatever against Oklahoma State and in Stillwater. The, I think the next closest, I think the only other dude that had more than four shots for OU is Brady Manick. And when teams really figured out how to guard Trey Young, Oklahoma suffered. And they didn't because they just did not have a second dude that they could go to because Trey Young was taking 30 shots a game. You're not, I don't think you're going to necessarily have that problem with Oklahoma State. Sure, there's going to be film out there and they're going to find ways to exploit what Cade can do, but you have complementary pieces around him that are also really talented. It's not like they're just role playing, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you know, whatever guys, you know, they're not Jags out there, but they're really good basketball players that are now elevated by having a guy like that. Yeah. Just a guy like, you know, we don't have a bunch of those out there. We have some uber talented freshmen and sophomores. It's a young team, but it's a very talented team in the same. We've had young teams at Oklahoma state in the last few years. And those young teams are just young. And that's about all you can say. They're young and raw. This teams are young and talented right now. So this team is set up for the now and they're set up for the next three years. I don't expect and ma'am and Walker to be here for four years. But if they are, holy shit, um, because they're going to be Walker. really, really good. They won't. But you have the pieces in place ma'am, right now. Ma'am might. Ma'am but, might. But you have the pieces in place right now. And also what they're seeing is, oh, like other five stars that are Kate Cunningham's friends and that are other people in the, you know, the AAU circuit that, you know, are on these, on these top pressures. Like, oh, I can go and succeed there. It's, you know, it's free marketing for Oklahoma State. But right there, too. It's Mike Boyd can just walk into the room and go, here you go. It's a pity that Oklahoma State does not have a marquee non-con game early on to really showcase. Um, it's too bad. It is what it is. This season, scheduling non-con, it just, it, you know, whatever. Um, but it is disappointing. Like you would have loved to have seen a. I'm not a Gonzaga. I don't want to deal with Gonzaga. No, I don't, God, don't, no. not a. That would be embarrassing. However, you know, I'm just waiting for the inevitable second round matchup with Illinois. Oh. It's gonna happen. And if there is a God, He will let us win. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> because we don't get to play a postseason because of that guy that was our head coach for one year, essentially. Um, it's his fault. Anywho, all that aside. So 3-0, and uh, the what I believe is the was the toughest non-conference game of the early slate because you only have seven non-conference games. Um, three left before conference play starts. And, of course, the – Big 12 SEC Challenge against Arkansas in late January, which I will plug again if you uh, have tickets that would be interested in um, partying with. I need two. Um, I need to go to that game. I need to go to that game. That's An extra game. ticket would be appreciated. I've got a, I got a buddy here who uh, we want to go, so I'm just going to figure something out. Um, so you get you got three more non-conference games uh, before conference play starts. A couple of Couple more tune-ups. You got Oakland, who is not good. They're, just, they're not good. It's a it's another Texas Southern kind of game, um, as far as talent level 
and uh, and and what they are, I think they're three eleven in Ken Palm. They're zero and five thus far. There are three hundred fifty seven teams. They're three eleven, and not like the the rock band from like the early aught thousands. Just three eleven. Um, it's rock and program. I don't know. Then you get ORU. Yep, playing them, and then a road game at Wichita State, which would have been cool. That would have been good. Uh, unfortunately, the 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 asshole that is sorry, earmuffs children, earmuffs the asshole that is uh, Greg Marshall is no longer there um, because he is a dirtbag. Uh, so we'll see how that team does. They haven't played a game yet. Wichita State. It's a road game, another true true road game, basically. And Boyden loves those true road games. I don't yeah. like it's 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 the man is insane. It's insane. Can we get some more? Can we get some more murky home games? I wish you deserved it. Anyways, yes. Like you look at this schedule and you go, okay. Like there is, I said, the Marquette game was the only thing standing in the way to me of OSU starting seven and zero. Oakland, ORU at Wichita State, and they start conference play with TCU on December sixteenth, before a road game at Texas. And Shaka Smart with hair is apparently a good coach. He shouldn't have grown his hair a long time ago. <laughs> They're going to be good this year. They're finally going to be good, and everyone's just going to – that's going to be their, the best joke in college basketball. Like, I don't know what Stoke Shock is so long. As soon as he grew his hair out, this team was something good. We've got a Samson situation here. Um, <laughs> joke's never going to – It just looks funny. wrong. It looks so – Oh, it's weird. As, it looks weird as hell. It He looks weird as hell, and I don't care because it's – Freaking hilarious. Also, uh, to the Oklahoma State Athletic Department, anyone that listens, can we please get the polos that uh, Oklahoma, that Mike Boynton and the coaching staff have won oh. the last couple? The, the Cursive Cowboy polo, please. Those white Cursive Cowboy polos. I don't know how many people I saw, myself included, be posting, where are those? Where can we get them? And yeah. no one has found them. No one has said anything. No one has pointed it out. I have seen people make the comment that OSU is one of does one of the worst jobs of like showing us cool stuff that the athletes and coaches wear and then never making it available when OSU fans would drop dollars on those things. Like it's been so much. Hey, these are cool polos. They're only for the coaches. And you're like, it's Christmas. Do you want to make some money for your athletic department? Then sell those damn polos to us and we will buy them and you will get money. Okay. Sell us those polos. We want those cursive cowboy polos. Give us those polos. Give the give them to us, OSU. My, Don't my be last, My final thought. Did you see the little like team MVP of the, the of the game post where they you know they write the num the win number on the whiteboard? Did you see that before we hit record? Uh, I saw him talking about effort. I didn't think I saw that. Okay, one. so. Bryce Williams was the, the game MVP, the guy that got to write the win number on the whiteboard. And then Mike Boynton proceeded to present him with a diploma for uh, uh, surgical for uh, uh, dentistry or whatever because he nice. had surgery. <laughs> it, was, it was like something with dental surgery or whatever. Oh, that's good. That's funny. You know Boynton's having a good time this year. That's right. Now. I think he, he should have a good time this year, and they should win. Yeah, it's the only difference. That, like everyone loves him, and always he just has to win now. He's got the team to do it, and we don't mean I don't mean like win the Big Twelve, win enough that the NCAA is like, all right, you can go to the tournament. 
we'll put it off a year, just wave it because we're not stupid. Just win enough to do that. And what that means is to have a winning record in Big 12 play. Yep. And have Cade Cunningham have a Cade Cunningham game like against Baylor or Kansas and the whole country goes, oh, damn. We need that. Yeah. That juice. Or maybe the NCAA will do the right thing and over. Wait, wait that would mean that we would see competency <laughs> from the NCAA. So no, that right. won't happen. But do the right thing. That's funny. Yeah, that, that would that would insinuate that there is competency somewhere in that corrupt organization. This is and, a Spike Lee film. Okay. <laughs> Philip, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? Look, anything can happen. Kentucky lost to Richmond, and now they lost to Kansas. Um, hey, completed the trifecta that I mentioned before we started recording. Virginia lost to uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Anarchy? Uh, nope, it's college basketball. This is college basketball. The Big 12, Ken Palm has four teams in the top ten in Ken Palm. Baylor's two, Kansas is five, and that doesn't include the game they just played um, against Kentucky that they won. Uh West Virginia is eight. Texas Tech is nine. The Big 12 is really good this year. Get some wins. OSU is is current. Oh, wait. Where's Texas? Oh, uh, what is it? One, two, three. Oh, I'm sorry. I lied. The Big 12 has five teams in the top 10 in Kimbom. Baylor is two. Texas is four. Kansas is five. West Virginia is eight. And Texas Tech is nine. Well, I don't know what else to say other than like my jaw is on the floor. And then next in sixth place is Oklahoma State at 30. <laughs> and then Oklahoma. And then uh, who does that leave? Uh, Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State. TCU's 57th. Uh, Kansas State's down there. Oh, they're 141st. They're not good. Uh, Iowa State. No, not Iowa. Iowa State is 67th. So. It's a tough conference every single year. Eat the bad teams and then try and beat some of the good ones. It's, yeah, yeah. Don't lose. That's the biggest thing. Don't lose. Sweep the teams at the bottom. Because that's six wins. Yeah. The winning record in the Big 12 is what? Nine and seven. Yeah. Is that right? Well, you play 18 games. No, no, no. Nine and nine. Uh, ten, and, ten and eight. Ten and eight. Sorry. Yeah. Ten and eight is a winning record. Sweep the bottom. Sweep the leg. <laughs> oh, it's late. It's time for bed. Yeah. All no, right. I'm, I'm making stupid. I'm trying to make bad movie references, and I, I think it's. I think it's time for me to call it a night. So, uh, Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke. Of course, you can follow my show, the Ten Twelve Podcast, T and the Twelve Podcast, available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, Monday's episode had some fun conversation about a lot of Iowa State talk because they deserve it, and the national stuff always just focuses on Texas and Oklahoma. And- uh, we did talk about Texas a bit and OSU's game. It was ridiculous. Uh, and of course, we'll make picks on Thursday. 
Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow me on site at Cowboys RFF. We'll be back after the TCU game next week and a couple more Cowboy basketball games. We'll talk to you all then.